You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Summer Camp Celebrates Pride, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio, pop culture on demand. I'm your host and camp owner, Jeffrey Aruz. Tonight on Summer Camp, we're going to get our pride on as we explore some of Hollywood's campiest flicks, fan-favorite films, and cult classic motion pictures, showcasing LGBT plus themes and stories. Please welcome my co-host, Float Driver, Deidre. Cass, I can't stop living my life because he's dead. Oh, that was a that was a good British accent. I know a BAFTA award. The BAFTA award yes. goes to Deidre. Yes, goes to Deidre. Oh no 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 no, Deidre. It's Deidre. Deidre. Oh. It's Deidre. Yes. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I can't. Balloon blower Parker James. You have to make it to the end of this, Harry. Not me. Not Hermione. <laughs> British, but not the movie. That's great. I like yeah, it. I was a little confused. I was too. When you said Hermione, I was like, yeah, I know what you're doing. <laughs> and glitter sprayer Osiris. You're getting thinner. <sighs> yeah. All right, listeners. First up. Turn that dial to Soul Patrol on 107 FM. It's time to fire up the film projector so that we can discuss 1991's Young Soul Rebels. Here's the official synopsis of the film. Youth culture meets identity politics in 1977 London, days before the Queen's Silver Jubilee celebrations. The hedonistic world of pirate DJs Chris and Kaz is shattered when a close friend is killed while cruising in a local park. Bum, 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 British like sound. Bum, 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 bum. I like it. I appreciate I it. Since Deidre wasn't doing it. I mean, we could have done the coconuts. My coconuts? No, no. Like from Monty Python's. Oh, I don't know. That's probably copywritten. But anyway, <laughs> 1991's Young Soul Rebels. Had you ever seen it before? Osiris. Um, no. Parker? Actually, I have not, so... And Deidre? No, but I love the soundtrack. I was no, going to ask you about that, Deidre. Yes, loved it. Yes, yes. So, so I had not seen it either, and I thought... All about, first up, Legionnaire, because of the music. And then I thought about Deidre, too. But I'll be honest, Deidre, you're sometimes a wild card. Sometimes I think you might like the music, but then you don't. But sometimes I think you might like the music, and then you do. So I was very confused for a moment. I was like, is she going to like it? But I'm glad that you did. I have an eclectic ear. You do? Yes, we could call it that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I approve. Okay, so, well, let's talk about the music, because the music was so incredibly important to the film, because, you know, it's about these two guys, these two best friends that are underground DJs, pirate DJs, they they are, you know, they, they um, have a devoted following in the local area, and they play... Funkalicious, disco, soul, 
funk. I mean, it it, it is so good, the music that they play. So, Deidre, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you wax poetically about the music. The music was great, and the underground scene was really growing um, at that time over over in the UK. Um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of 808 State, but 808 State came out of the underground. And when 808 State blew up in, you know, with house music from the underground, it just catapulted the UK when it came to to music, P-Funk, everything, all the disco, everything. It was just something about 808 State that just blew up the UK. So, yeah, underground radio over there. Um, like you saw in, in the movie, you know, they were like, oh, it's this and it's that way. Um, send us your tape and, you know, we'll consider you and, you know, all this stuff. But the music, they were, I think they were doing a great job with the music as they were told, you know, by the, the girl, I can't remember her name. It, it's not widely accepted, you know, certain kind of sounds in the UK. But as you also saw when they went to um to that club, it was packed full of people and they had all different kinds of music there too. So, you know, I, I, that's why I like the soundtrack. It wasn't just one kind of music, but I am telling you, I heard songs I had not heard in a long time. So I was like, I need to get this soundtrack. I need to get all this music. It was, right. it was great. Hashtag yes. boom, like an 808, what Deidre was talking yes. about. Yeah. 808 state. Yes. Okay. Boom, like an 808 state. I like it. <laughs> Yes. Do you not know who 808 State is? No, I really don't. It's but okay. it's fine. I'll learn, Deidre. I'll learn. I promise. It'll 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 come to you. It'll come to you. Yes, yes. Any other thoughts on the music? Um, uh, like uh, I I just kind of want to piggyback off of what Deidre is saying a little bit about how like you know like underground music was was a big part around that era. Um, like I I like the fact that they highlighted um punk rock, which mm-hmm. um during the 70s that's when that's when it started um the mix of of reggae um uh like like everybody not everybody but a lot of people you know accepting different musical sounds you know yes you know the radio was like we we only accept certain sounds but you know um like teacher pointed out like the club was packed and you know right before seeing that that club scene and hearing that little bit of punk rock and then hearing them switch over you know you know that because uh, that came after uh that scene came after they were saying that you know they were that people are only looking for a certain kind of sound and when that scene came on i was expecting like you know the the punk rockers to like clear out and you know everybody you know listening to soul from mm-hmm. island in but it was just like like it, it may not have been the smoothest of transitions, but, right. you know, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, going from, you know, punk rock to, you know, the soul and the funk music and nobody batting an eye. I, I, th- I, th- I thought that was extremely interesting and, and wonderful aspect. Yes. 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 The music was good. It was funkalicious. It was fantastic. There were there was a lot of uh, for me recognizable songs. There were some new songs that I will be shazamming myself. New songs for me at least. I mean they're not new songs because it's you know it's from the seventies, but they were they were all funkalicious and so damn good. There were a couple of recognizable faces in this movie. Yes, Deidre, who did you recognize? To- I had to actually stop and and and, and rewind. I was like, "He's British." <laughs> Are you talking about Iman Walker? Yes, yes, the guy from Chicago Fire. The guy from Chicago Fire. The guy from Oz. Remember? Yes. No, I've never seen Oz. You've never seen really? Oz? I've never watched Oz, no. Yeah. It is an know. HBO classic, no, Deidre. I know it is. Am I in trouble again? No. Yes. Mm-hmm. Deidre, no. you are on sabbatical. Wait, watch. hold on, hold on. Did you just fire me? Am I fired? No, no, no. no. I haven't watched it. You're fine. But Deidre... I only watched one episode, so... What? <laughs> All right, Deidre, you are on sabbatical for two months. You need to watch 56 episodes of Oz. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's on, um, what's it called now? It's on Max, the home of HBO. Instead of being called HBO Max, it's just Max, the home of HBO. 
Okay. So, um, um, catch up. Okay. Yes. But Iman Walker was, um, a young Iman Walker, was fantastic to see in this. Uh, his first uh, feature film role. He had done TV and stuff before, uh, Across the Pond. And a young Sophie Okonedo. Right now, that, well, let me talk. Let me talk. So this okay, one I was surprised about because I've never seen her in anything of it. Like she's much older than I thought she was. Like she in '91, she had to be at least eighteen, nineteen. That's been thirty years. So she's in her like mid fifties. Bitch, no, you were right. Older. Fifty-four years old. She's in like a, a day older than twenty-six in real life. Well, okay, I've seen her in. Um, that one movie, what one show on Prime, and she probably looked late thirties. But either way, girl, good for her. No, right? Her. Like she, I she didn't fantastic. Genius. I didn't know what her name was or anything, but I see her in a lot of because I love my mystery shows. I see her in a lot of British mystery. Deidre, um, you right? Yes, you are right about that. She's in a lot. And of... she still looks the exact same. Mm-hmm. The exact yeah. same. Yeah. Yes, her and this was her very first movie. Her very, her very first movie. Her very first anything, to be quite honest. I'm looking at her oh, wow. IMDb. Yes. Shout out to Sophie. Looking not a day over Young Soul Rebels. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those for me were the two recognizable ones. Everyone else was brand new for me. But I was still incredibly impressed at seeing a young Iman and a young uh, Sophie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that one actually kept me awake for a good most of the movie before I fell asleep the first time was seeing her face. <laughs> oh, there you so, go. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. Lord. All right. So <laughs> the film is about two friends, Chris and Kaz who uh, have an underground pirated radio station. And when I tell you, because I did not know much about this movie. Like, I knew it was kind of like a coming-of-age movie. DJ Lives a Coming-of-Age Saga. We know this. It's on record. And... (laughs) No, no one's here that remembers this. Legionnaire is my witness. Legionnaire, if you could hear me. Do you remember when DJ was like, what is a coming-of-age? But, um... What I am saying is that I do not see this as a coming of age. Okay. Were their ages ever revealed? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, okay, all right. So we don't know their ages, so maybe they're not coming to the age. But what was kind of interesting about this movie that, that took me for a loop was that there was a bit of a mystery to this. There was like a thriller type of aspect because there was a murder at the start of the film And throughout the film, we're sort of dealing with uh, the murder, almost as like the the B-plot, but a major B-plot to this movie. Deidre, did did the murder mystery aspect surprise you? Well, only to a degree. It was very much a subplot. Um, Yeah, it, it, it didn't... It didn't surprise me, but I was like, eh, okay, I'll take it. Oh, okay. Were you left with questions? I know you love questions and mysteries. Was this yes, mystery? Yes, I was left with plenty of, yes. Mysterious yes, enough very for much you? So. It wasn't mysterious. It was like, I don't understand. Okay. Did you suspect the killer? When he was looking at, if, if I do remember correctly, who the killer was, um, <laughs> when he was looking at the guy taking a shower... Oh, yes. Ken was staring at uh, Carlton's uh, booty. Yeah, I was like, oh, some secrets are being revealed just... <laughs> secrets revealed. In his head. <laughs> yes, there's some secrets being revealed right here. Okay. I mean, that yeah. part kind of did take me by surprise as far as, like, you know, the reveal of who the killer was. But, like, I think that was really, like... As a subplot, I think it was a really good device because it it, it was it was just enough mystery to kind of like they used that little bit of mystery to kind of flesh out um, Chris and Cavs. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I like that. Okay, expand upon that a little bit. <laughs> well, like, you know, uh, Chris's sister found the found the the um the boom box. Um he uh Chris tried to repair it, realized he couldn't repair it. Noticed that, you know, his his um uh show was being recorded, so he saved the tape. Um and it was it was just like, you know, like these these little 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 blips of, you know, reveal for the for the 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 mystery aspect. But at the same time it, it, it gave us glimpses of, you know, who Cass was, who who Chris was, because, you know, they they like Chris was the main one that discovered all like everything. It was just like, wait a minute, I, like, you know, hey, this is really cool. They they recorded the show and then like he gets to the part where it was recorded and was like, wait a minute. This 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 person is talking about TJ. Like this is this is the night of the murder, and you know, it it it, it revealed his character, how he's dealing with, you know, having that information, how he's going to you know share that information, you know, it, it, especially after um after he uh got what fr- framed or whatever, or somebody ratted him out, or mm-hmm. like he got framed. Uh, well, you yeah, can't get ratted so, out if uh, if you didn't do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, it was, it was just it, like I thought it was a really good device of you know helping us realize um, who Chris and Cass was, especially like you know the 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 big reveal at the end when um, Chris plays the tape over the loudspeaker, you know, and. And and um, uh, Cass is like, wait a minute, I know both of those voices. And it was like, you know, like to me, it was like, shit. If only, you know, if if only Chris had, you know, went to Cass sooner, we would have known who, you know, the culprit was. We would have figured out, you know, who, you know, we would have solved the mystery if Cass would have gotten a hold of the tape sooner, or if Kaz would have been went would have went to Chris sooner, because Kaz, because because sorry, because Chris kept on trying to get Kaz to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. but they were going through their own separate thing, so exactly, it was growing exactly. pains. And that's and that's, and that's, and that's the reason why I say it was an interesting like plot device like for those two. Yeah, rest in peace, of TJ. I mean, he was just trying to get a nut or two. <laughs> Yeah, and jam out to some good soul music. Some good music, you know. But um, can we discuss the fashion? Okay, well, well, well just for one second, I'll, I'll put a pin on this, Deidre, because Deidre now wants to talk about the fashion. I was surprised by the whole Ken revelation. Like, that to me, yeah, like, maybe as a good mystery, you know, you, you are supposed to be surprised, and you're not supposed to like, immediately jump to the conclusion when we first meet Ken that he was going to be the killer. Um, but that was surprising for me. And I like how increasingly murderous he ended up becoming during his final <laughs> couple scenes. Um, because it really added to... Uh, uh, it added to um, just the mystery of uh, this park killer and then sort of like adding into it the fact that he's a part of like the national front which they're kind of like neo-nazis like a fascist type of party like a really really right-wing party um all of that was incredibly interesting to see i would have liked for him to have gone to jail but him dying in a fire michael myers style uh worked for me yes all right dj you want to talk about the fashions let's talk about the fashions okay I, 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 the, the, the clothes that, that Chris and, um, Cass were wearing, um, I was like, this is the UK fashion, right? This has to be the, the baseball jerseys and the jeans and the, the pointy toed boots. Um, I was like, okay, I can see this, but I can't see the boots on the feet, but then the scarves around her neck. I'm like, okay, this is so... It was the UK. It's very different. But also, too, what I recall is that it was like a combination between the punk look 
with the the fishnet with the net shirts, uh, tank tops, and the scarves around their necks. I know that was part of the um, the punk scene. But to you know, and then to see them wearing it, and they're like so you know full of disco and funk. I'm like, this is just so odd to see. It really was kind of odd to see, but it was it made me smile. And and then the other thing was when they were in that underground club and the woman who was with um, the black lady, I can't remember, the blonde girl, I, I kept trying to figure out what she was wearing. I'm like, what, if, what exactly is that? I couldn't, I couldn't figure out the clothing she was wearing. I'm like, is, are those like hot pants or is that all connected or I don't understand, but I still, I mean, it. You might want to just take go back and take a look. <laughs> it was just a strange outfit. It was. I mean, when I think about everyone else I saw, you know, in the scene, you know, people wore, you know, this, that, or whatever. But I was like, she's wearing powder blue satin. And it's, it's tight. I think they were DJ Joe was trying. But those were, like, yeah, I, I know. I, I understand that. Um you know, it's just, it just very interesting to see. But then I had to remember, it's the UK. Fashions are different in other countries. Fashions. So it was very interesting. Yes. How could you have a How could you have a fashion show with no fashions? Oh, look at you it's quoting true. stuff about stuff you don't know, much like Parker does. I love it. Stop that. Oh, yeah, and, I, and I, the leather I, pants. I, I know the reference. I know the oh, reference. excuse me. Yes. All right, all right, get it, work. I do my history. Those oh, leather okay. pants, he had black leather pants, yes. leather pants, I was so mad that he put on the red and then he put on the yellow, or it was the inverse, and I'm like, you didn't keep them on. Like, they were actually hot pants. Very interesting to see. Yeah. Very interesting. The fashions were interesting. I was very confused mm-hmm. on why they were dressing the wit. Like, they were dressing on their beds like that, like... I don't know. It was, just, it was, it was just... the 70s. It was a different time, Osiris. It was the 90s. Was this supposed to be the 70s? This no. This was 1977 London, my dear. <laughs> dear God. Yes. That was I not 90s tell. fashions. Just, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I could not tell that that was supposed to be 1970s London. I actually thought it was supposed to be the 90s. Oh. Honestly. Deidre, like the bell-bottomy I, type I'm of outfits you. and the punk? Was not... I keep, I'm telling you, it's, nope, not in my head. Oh. Nope. For me, it looked yeah, 1970s, it to... but it's fine. It didn't. I mean, it, it definitely rang 70s to me, like, especially with, I think it was Blondie. Um, yeah, it was all, like, clothes doors. was, like, Blondie. It was all Bowie-ish, like. Yeah. Yeah. 80s. Cause, yeah, because, like, like. Well, yeah, like, I mean, like, late seventies like, is basically right early eighties. Yeah. yeah, with the way the music was changing and the styles were changing, it kind of well, all right into the eighties. Did you see any bell bottoms? I don't know I don't, if late seventies that was because remember D- disco was dead. I did not see any bell. Did you? Disco was not dead. Yeah, disco died in the late seventies, Deidre. There was the whole oh, anti-disco yeah. movement. Another, Hold it, hold I wasn't even there. In America, Poppy. In America. Yeah. This is the UK. Well, it might have been the same. Yeah, but the, the the music the music it it it, it kind of did the same around the like around the same time like 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 disco kind of fell off around like the end of the seventies. Um, well, disco fell off because big. there was a whole effort to make disco fall off because disco in America was for America. disco was being uh, the majority of the disco artists were black artists, and it was a, a uh, style of music that, in particular, you know, the gay community loved. So there was like a whole effort to kill disco because of all of that. Yeah, and then that's where the, Are you sure this like, wasn't everybody. The 90s? because <laughs> i know that most of the most of the people that came from disco moved over into punk rock uh funk soul um like they, they went to these other like, yeah i mean ramp, it's not to say like, disco. under more underground um aspects of music and it's not to say that disco music wasn't still being 
created it or even played but you know there was a a strong effort to basically kill it from like the billboard or i don't know what there was billboard then but you know whatever the the top 100 of whatever yeah and then there was the boom there was the boom box i was like i don't know bobby what i don't know all right i don't know i don't know yes what i will say it was era specific era specific yeah what I will say about fashions, the one thing that popped out to me was the name Vivian Westwood. And uh, I, I just thought it was interesting because I have no idea anything about Vivian Westwood outside of the fact that I know the name because of the Sex and the City movie. She ended up sending Carrie her wedding dress. So in my mind, you know, Vivian Westwood is this big, you know, fashionista type of fashion designer. And I had no idea that she was part of punk fashion in the 70s. Uh, which I thought, so I thought that was kind of fascinating. I was like, oh, okay, so this is where kind of she started her uh, emergence as a fashion person by uh, designing these designer punk style t-shirts, which is, I don't know, it was interesting. It was, it was completely surprising for me. Well, I will say this, then don't think about 808 State, because I swear I thought this was a movie from the 90s, and so no, no 808 State, just Ignore that. Oh, okay. Oh, Deidre was giving us British history from the 90s as opposed to 1977. Gotcha. This is really bizarre. I don't know if I'm going to have to look at this movie again. Wide awake. Like, at 7 in the morning or something. Yes. Wow. I mean, I will say this was a... This was a fun movie to watch. Like... Yeah, I agree. I thought all the storylines were really interesting. I thought they did a good job with it. The director is gay himself, and uh, he has, his name is Isaac Julian, and he has tried to, through his art, uh, basically, you know, deal with themes that directly relate to being black and gay and, and, and issues of, like, class, sexuality, artistry, cultural history, and that sort of thing. So, um, so it was really interesting to see all of those themes really come to a head in this film, I mean, we dealt with racism, we dealt with homophobia, we dealt with classism, uh, we dealt xenophobia. a little bit xenophobia, you know, with the West Indian, white British communities. All of those themes were, were interesting to see. Also, interracial relationships in the late 70s. Uh, so, so let's talk about sort of like those, those more serious themes that were expressed in the film. I think I think he did a really good job of, you know, explaining them without, you know, being too heavy on the negative aspects. Um, like like, you know, yes, we know the negative aspects were there, but, you know, trying to implement, you know, things like, you know, the 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 the, the cruising, the um that 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 one scene where um oh my god, I forgot her name. Uh, Tracy. Yes, Tracy and Tracy and plus one. That's right. Jill. Um, when when Tra- when Jill turns around and she sees the two guys kissing, you know, she didn't have like this this look of disgust. She didn't have a look. Of, it was it was shock, but it wasn't like you know, oh my god, that's wrong. It was like, oh my god, I've never been here, you know, in a place like this. And wow, like you know, like like it was almost as if she was appreciating the beauty that was, you know, seeing two guys kiss. If that if that makes any sense, it sounded a little coherent, mm-hmm. a little a little incoherent. Sorry. No, that worked. Yeah, yeah, I loved seeing the um. The like because both uh, Kaz and Chris are West Indian, and so seeing that aspect and and Kaz, sorry, Chris is biracial. Like seeing all of that w- was really fascinating to watch, and and also them dealing with the racism of the time. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I was I was surprised just because maybe I haven't seen a lot of British you know, 70s, 80s era productions. But the racism of the time in the UK, I was like, good grief, you would have thought you were in America. Uh, Yeah, uh, UK racism is actually a lot worse than American racism. Yeah, they they don't give a fuck. Like, they were just spewing every single 
just a racial term they could in this movie. I was like, damn, and like their bold asses are just mm -mm. I was I was shook. I don't know, I always thought that we were worse. And I, I mean we are. We we here in the US. I mean it it is it is horrible. Um but I was just I, I I don't know for whatever reason I always thought the UK was less than we were, but if they they looked like they were about as it's, equal as we were. Yeah, it's it's um, it's not as it's it's weird because like the 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 UK like I've I've talked to a couple of people in the UK you know about like you know the racism because like it, it it's it's like just like with America it it stems all the way into today it's just you know over there they are a little more um what's the word they're not covert but like they they twist their words or they they say they say things in a weird passive aggressive way to where like if you lived in the UK you would definitely take offense to it but if mm -hmm. you know if if you've never lived in the UK then what they said would wouldn't make any sense oh, okay cuz yeah what they um, said made full sense in this damn movie i was like what i think it's important to to note that in the UK Regardless of the fact that I've gotten the entire timeline along about this movie. Anyway, regardless of that, it's important to note that in the UK, um, when they discuss slavery, they don't discuss slavery. And in regards to what Osiris just said about the way they do things, they don't discuss slavery. What they say is slavery ended in 1874. That's it. That's all you get. So because they just like, gloss over they don't even gloss over they just say oh yeah slavery happened in the uk and it ended in 1874 no facts about what happened what they did or anything and you know how it ended it just abruptly there, stopped you know it just <laughs> stopped and 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 whatever happened before it stopped it's not even important to discuss it's just it was there it happened we're past it now it kind of you know goes toward the way they are though nowadays they're like no we're going to get into this and we're going to go deep and we're going to discuss it more but in the past that was an acceptable way to talk about slavery in the uk it came it went it's gone we're here now we're our country well yeah no that sounds about right i mean the fact that they're just now really dealing with the colonization of the situation is really fascinating yes. as well it only took a moment and, you know, they for had them so to many finally people address it. Yeah. <laughs> the well, they kept, they kept they had, swept you know, it people... under the rug. Yeah. We'll yeah. get to it next time. We'll get um, to it. Like oh, it's just water under the bridge kind of situation. I like the fact that they have people who who were there who, um, you know, uh, what's his name? The guy from um, Chicago Fire. Him, you know, and... Um, I think it was a couple more people. I can't, I can't remember who came from down in the islands, but it, it wasn't like they were foreigners who came to the country. You know, the, the, you have the British Isle, the British um, Virgin Islands and other places that, mm -hmm. that, the, that the British um, laid claim to. And so, therefore, they could not stop people from coming up and living in the U.K., though they wanted to after they started seeing larger numbers of them coming up. But you can't do that when it's part of your country. So that's, you know, in itself is interesting the way they you know, treat people who come up from the islands, though they are, you know, as British as they're under the same flag. So it's, it's just an interesting thing. Well, it was also interesting to see Still. just the, the uh, systemic racism in, in, in just yeah. almost the business world. Because we were introduced to a radio kind of idol for Chris and, and Chris thought, you know, he could just go in chat with this guy who he idolizes and, and dreams to have a gig like he does. But then throughout the film, he starts to realize that number one, even though this guy has like one of the top programs, 
the actual radio station in which he works for treats him like shit. You know, he doesn't really have an office. He pretty much has a desk, a lamp, and a box for his stuff. And his contract is renewed every three months. And uh, the station feels like that one hour of, like, soul program that he has is, like, one hour too much, even though it's an incredibly popular hour, and there aren't that many black employees anyway. Like, all, yeah. of, all of that was incredibly fascinating to, to see expressed. And and didn't didn't he also like his uh that like that that hour of soul music? It was at like the most oddest time, right? Like, like of of course he's not getting prime time, you know, British radio, but um, like like basically, not, like not only was that hour quote unquote too much, but they didn't they put him in a weird like time slot, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then once Chris got a meeting that, you know, the wonderful Tracy hooked him up with. I mean, basically the, um, I don't know what position the man was. Like, let's call him the general manager or something. You know, the man was pretty much like, you have to lose your identity. You have to uh, Britishify yourself, a.k.a., you know, become mainstream, a.k.a., you know, speak to the white audience, speak to the white Brits. Acclimate. Acclimate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Assimilate. Yeah. Lose your identity, basically. Mm-hmm. Lose what Chris has to lose what what makes him special to even get a shot. But then you you would have to ask yourself in the end. Well, I mean, you know, now that we are all older people and we see things differently. I mean, because what was Chris's age? You know, back then. Um, if I think about it, when I was younger, I'm sure there were numerous times where I was like, oh, my God, I want to do this or that, and I did not know all the ins and outs of this or that or whatever. Um, and someone, you know, would have to sit you down and explain to you, it's not that simple. You have to do this and this and this and this and this. And, you know, now, as I was saying, now that we're older, um, I'll put it this way. If if I could go back in my life and, and be Chris, if I could live my life to this age and then go back and be Chris, I would do everything I could to to boost my pirate radio station because people weren't um, people were so assimilated back then they were the pirate radio station is you know you're you're out there but you don't have you know enough listeners and as you saw he was trying to get um, more his signal boosted more uh-huh. but that is and then also too um, Cass said that um. Was it Cass who said that we need to get sponsors and Chris was like, we can't find any sponsors or vice versa? Um, I, one of them was against getting sponsors or something. Well, no, it was, but, I mean, they needed sponsors. Of- uh, okay, so um, they needed money. Chris, you know, his mom was on him about, you know, we need money. Like, you need to start um, basically uh, uh, um, making Working, some money to, yeah. to support the house and that sort of thing. Um, Kaz was like, we need uh, sponsors and that that sort of thing, but they needed the signal boost because they need the numbers to go up and that sort of thing. Chris, it wasn't that he was against finding sponsors. It's just that he was trying, like he was more hell-bent on getting into radio because he saw the radio gig in his mind. He saw it as something easy that he could do and that that would be a way to sort of bring in some money. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And like, I thought, like, I thought, well, I, I, I was going to say, it, especially since, like, you know, you know that like that was his plan when he when he spoke to his, uh, uh, I guess, idol, his his his, his radio idol, I guess. Um, and then spoke to the the hiring manager of the place. Um, it did crush his dreams, but it did kind of reinforce the fact, like, you know what, we'll just do this on our own. You know, yeah. I definitely did. I definitely did see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Chris was gay. 
until he got with the girl. I was like, I so thought he was gay. At the beginning, everything about him screamed, I am a homosexual. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and Does that then I was like, well, maybe he's just... It was the 90s, Deidre, the 70s. I don't know. He didn't... Fluid, he didn't... So. Yeah, I, I I think he was pretty fluid, like like him like. Well, we have to remember. I mean, we did have a storyline, not a storyline. We did have a moment where uh, we'll talk about him in a second. Where Billy Bud was like, you know, you keep on talking about him. You know, are you two something? Was there something? And uh, Kaz was like, you know, we, you know, as as kids, you know, we did fool around for like a moment, but then he ended up you know, basically confirming that he was straight. It looked like Chris was just very comfortable with himself. Like, we have to remember that in the 70s and the 80s, to bleed into the early 90s for Deidre, you know, there was that androgynous type of fashion that, you know, kind of went away a little bit in the 90s and maybe early 2000s that sort of kind of come back up as, you know, sort of like, gender and and sexuality has has uh, not that it has become but it, it's much more um in our social consciousness that's that all of that is fluid um the, all of that was like incredibly popular at that time in that era so i think he was just dressing at the time i mean if you think about david bowie if you think about prince um, anybody that's funkalicious or discalicious or soulicious from that era, I mean, all of Chris that was Jones. exactly all of that was like very androgynous. Um, so I found Chris's wardrobe to be androgynous as well. There was a moment in the beginning, Deidre, when I also was like, "Is he supposed to be gay? Is he not? Is he supposed to be bi?" But then once you know he started to really pursue Tracy, I was like, "Okay, he clearly knows that his best friend is gay, and he's perfectly cool with that." And, uh, you know, he's straight, and he has fallen for the beautiful Sophie, a.k.a. Tracy. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch. Yeah, and it's all my fault. I did not do my homework well, Poppy. Right. Deidre, you did not have your composition notebook and, and your pen. I did not. I had a clipboard and an erasable marker. <laughs> okay. Right. See, that's what it is. You screwed it up. You did something different. <laughs> Yes. Okay. I did. All right. I let's did. talk about Billy Bud, because I will tell you this: this was probably the storyline that I was the most confused about, because I did not understand what Kaz saw in him, and clearly Billy Bud would frustrate him in his um, fuck the establishment type of in your face attitude like it was just such a strange like they didn't seem to mesh but i guess somehow they meshed it was like i guess an opposites attract type of story that uh i found very weird um yeah i i, I too found that weird okay like, it was just like, odd they were like a strange pairing that somehow i don't know if it worked but i guess it worked for them I can understand the pairing if it was like a one night stand or, you know, just. Yeah, because it started like off casual... that way. Like, you know, they were like flirting at the club, like the eye flirting. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they hook up. And then all of a sudden we're together, like we're in a relationship. And I was like, how did that happen? I guess things move differently in the year 1977 or 1991, depending on when Deidre thinks this movie is. <laughs> I mean, okay. I mean, they I kind will, of, I you know, started dating. I can understand that. Like, It happens. People can be complete opposites and it does Right? Paula Abdul had sex does. with a, what was, uh, the, the cat. Fritz what cat? cat? What did I miss? No, it was the cat. Remember, it ain't fiction. Wasn't it a cat in the music video? Oh my God! Opposites attract. You you do you do know like that's 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 like. Is uh, this for Paula Abdul? Yes, I'm saying Paula Abdul he's... was with the cat, so opposites yes. do attract. No, that kind of. I thought about not... Kelly mm. Kellyanne Conway and her husband George. I think. Oh, okay. But, you know, yeah. That's not how. Because that's what I. Think. So George is Paula Abdul and Kellyanne is the cat. 
that's not how I think his name was Scat Cat, wasn't it? No. I don't know. When I thought about the opposites attracting of, you know, uh, Cass and and the guy, Bobby, whatever, um, you know, they're like two different ends of whatever. I swear I couldn't figure out. I was like, okay, well, this maybe this is how Kelly and Conway and her husband George, you know, because oh, they're just like, not that I went into detail, but still, I was like, opposites just attract, it just, you know, those two, it happens, happen. It does happen. They were a strange pair, though. It was, and then they, they had like a 30-second blowjob hand job situation oh while I, I was i was i was a little pissed off about that right well the, oh well i mean okay. it was i will say this it was beautifully orchestrated to sylvester's you make me feel mighty real but um that was like the quickest blowjob hand job combo that i've ever seen in my life can you tell me were you all like did we find it erotic? No. No. Were you all like timing it? Were you like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. I see it coming. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, we didn't see it coming, Deidre. Yeah. I mean, Poppy. Girl. Yes, Deidre? Um, the, the, the only thing I can answer is, you know, these, these are just rumors that I heard that UK men are um, a little more hornier than most. So that could have been. You oh, know, this sounds like whole... personal experience. No, no, a little bit, yeah. Um... I've got personal experience. <laughs> oh, just got personal experience too. You came in are delicious. I've never had a problem um, with um, length or length, time wise or dick wise. I've never had a problem. Right. I've, I've never. Had okay, uh, Parker, write that down. That's a Deidre ism. <laughs> No, it isn't. She could stitch that on a pillow at some point and sell it on Etsy. No. <laughs> I've had no problem with length or length. All right. I like it. Okay. All right. Uh, get, it, get it, Gert. Did, 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 did anyone notice that roll of toilet paper on the bed? <laughs> no. No, I, I did not notice that. All I noticed is that that room was hideous. And I was like, I hope that it's that white man's and it's not um, Kaz's. I mean, mean that was the headboard made rock. of tree branches? The room was disgusting. It was, that it was, was the Billy's. ugliest bedroom I have ever seen in me life. I would not have been horny in that bedroom. That bedroom was hideous. That's, That's when you have to completely that and I've never had a bedroom do this to me so much, but that that is a bedroom where you have to walk out and contemplate your own life choices as to how did I get into this bedroom? That's a fraternity X bedroom. <laughs> Not a fraternity. <laughs> um, that bedroom, that bedroom. was this, I don't think you can say too much about the bedroom in this movie when the movie began with people having sex in the park. The in park the dirt, was more beautiful the than the bedroom. People were having sex on the ground in the dirt. No grass around. Worn out patches of area. I mean, well, I mean, Deidre, you know, when you're a marginalized community and you're shunned by the world, you got to find some place to get it in. Get it into the oh, park. So then don't you get it. Complain about the bedroom. Don't get it into that bedroom. <laughs> I'd rather they be doing it at the park. But remember, he said it wasn't safe, so that's why they couldn't get it in the park originally. Yeah. yeah. But plus, also, there was a murder there. I mean, you don't really want to bang on the on the crime scene. Well, putting DNA all there. You, you know, just. Well. Corrupting the. Crime. I don't know. I've done some things in the park at night too. Oh. So, but I mean. Deidre, how dare you shame the park people when you are a park person? Uh, as I was saying, are you a reformed park person? In grass and greenery. Hmm? Are you a reformed what? park person? I didn't do it that often to be reformed. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, come and find and out. Deidre's the pigeon woman from Home Alone 2. So... 
Make sure your niece listens to this podcast, okay, Deidre? <laughs> yeah, make Shut sure. Up. There's so much ju- juicy <laughs> tidbits <up>. about Deidre. <laughs> Yeah. They're not gonna tell. They're no, not they gonna tell anything because if they tell, if they listen and tell anything, I will turn them all in for. Oh, Deidre! Oh, Deidre's got marijuana. her own. Oh my lord! Deidre's got her own blackmail material. I love it. No, but Deidre, you got to do that, right? Yes, Bobby. <laughs> okay, yes. good. Yes, you got to. You got to be yes. ready. Okay. All right. Yes. So, um, can we give a props to? I mean, if we're already going to be talking about people having sex in unusual places like that horrible bedroom, props to Tracy. You know, after everything she did for this man, who, like, let's, I mean, Chris was dragging her through the muck. You know, having to bail him out from the police station. I mean, she, like, she got him that that meeting, which... In her mind, he fucked it up. In, in in his defense, he was being true to himself, and he didn't want to change his style for the man, basically. But props to her for bringing him back to the office and not only having sex on the job. or well, not at the job, but it was after hours. But not only having sex at work, but they decide to have sex on, like, a lighting fixture, which I'm like, that is like, hello... I'm here. Um, look at me <laughs> and my grindation yeah. of the situation. They had sex on a lighting fixture. I was like, all right. First of all, his back must be kind of warm. Um, but props to them. He seemed flexible. He seemed flexible, yes. Mm-hmm. Props to them. Because she was riding. Well... Yes, and also props to her, because I don't know if y'all noticed, like, as they were, like, getting, like, in the mood, she went down and she started, like, she did a full-on crotch grab. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She got a handful. Yeah, I definitely saw that. She had a good time. She had a very good time. Shout out to Tracy. I'm very impressed. Yes. Very impressed. Uh, Yeah. They got a nice little moment. Um, yeah, I love how in the beginning, though, she was like, oh, you know, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, we need to, we need to wait till the cleaning crew is, is gone. But she gave, she gave them, she and, and Chris gave the cleaning crew a nice little show. And I'll be honest, I don't mind watching. I would have taken a peek. Deidre, you would have taken a peek too, right? I am only a voyeur to Legionnaire's dirty little deeds. No, I I probably would have taken a peek. Just I a peek. I would have taken a peek and be like, Ooh. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you would be like, shit, I'm the cleaning crew. I'm going to have to clean that up. <laughs> I would have asked to join. <laughs> would you I, have? I, I, right. I, I would have walked right up and been like, since uh, y'all are making a mess that I'm going to have to clean up, can I, can I, can I join? Right. Oh, you are so bad. You are so bad. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so another major plot of the movie was it seemed as if Chris and Kaz, based off of their own individual stories, they were kind of moving away in their friendship. You know, it was kind of like one of those situations where, you know, are we outgrowing each other as friends? They were DJs together. They were part of this pirate radio together but their life choices you know what they were doing you know the way that they kind of wanted to grow individually seemed to push them in opposite directions but by the end of the movie these two crazy kids ended up realizing they are bffs and they reunite was there a moment where we thought the two were going to outgrow each other and that's how the movie was going to end or did we always think that the two would come back together as friends and as uh, djs I never questioned their friendship. Aww. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, like like the whole way through, I was like, man, they're 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 going through a rough patch. But I was like, they're they're they're, it's it's gonna fix itself some way or another. I like it. I loved Chris's mom. We only saw her <laughs> for like half a second, but I I loved Anne so much. Uh, you know, the fact that she was like, you brought some weed for me too. And like, he was like, moms don't smoke weed. She's like, fuck, fuck no. <laughs> I mean, fuck yeah. That was so good. 
she was very funny. She and then was. she turns to him like she gave him that look like, Can you like this please? I'm like, yes. oh my God, Can this you like woman. this please? And then <laughs> she takes a puff and he's like, You're gonna puff puff pass? And she's like, No, this is mine. No. <laughs> no, and gets up and walks away. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. She's like, You're not gonna ruin this high. It's fantastic. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Uh, was there anything that I missed? A tiny moment that anyone would like to discuss before we hand out some awards? I like watching um, Chris and his sister and her friends dancing. Oh, yeah. They're dancing. Um, and then the dancing at the end. With yes, the group of friends. The this sort of like this brand new group of friends that have now connected. Yes, yes. Um, I thought that was great. I agree with you, Deidre. A fun little fact about this movie, the film received the Critics' Prize at the 1991 uh, Cannes Film Festival. Excellent. Yes. All right, but it's time to hand out even more prestigious awards. It's time to, uh, before we scream lights out, let's hand out some camp superlatives. The Diva. Um, I'll give it to Chris. Really? I was going to give it to Kaz. It was a really big toss-up, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was like, I, I, I literally ping, ping-ponged the diva back and forth between the two of them. I like a ping-pong. I don't know. I can't pick a diva. I can't pick one. The ingenue? Um, Jill. Oh, that's good. Tracy a little bit too, no? Yeah, I can, I can, I can toss her in. Okay, good. I, like I, if 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 there's like a Joan of Arc kind of award, like I would definitely give that to Tracy. Like you know, she was she was very inspiring. Okay, we don't have that though, but thank you. No, <laughs> I like it. I like it. You just slid in like a new she, award. I like it. Well, I mean, she's inspiring. That's, she did. Oh, feminist icon. Ah, okay. Yeah, I can. I can. Get, Tracy. I can. I can get. I can give that to, to Tracy. Okay, good. Uh, let's see. The stunt queen. Um, Ken? Yes. Also the chaos agent. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, let's see. Um, the pink of perfection. Um, I would have to give it to, um, and it's a toss up between... Billy and that one guy that was always picking on Cass and Chris. No, the skinhead. Part of the group. Yeah. Because he he was always the first one to pick on them. Yes. He was probably a closeted homosexual. Are you going to wear something white? We're going to wear something white, too. Mm Mm-hmm. The See You Next Tuesday. Um, The skinhead leader. Yes. And the police. Oh, yeah. They definitely... Yeah. Yeah. The Mickey Rooney Award for Excellence in Child Acting. Chris's little sister. Yeah, she was adorable. Special Achievement in Caucasity. All the Mayo Sapiens. Yes. Special Achievement in Karening. (laughs) All the white women at the Jubilee uh, cookout. Bizarre. And, um, And the police. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the best use of nudity, Deidre. Did we see some booty? <laughs> yeah, we did see we some did booty. We did see some booty. <laughs> I, I'm thinking about the other movie. Um, hmm. The shower scene hmm. in the garage? You know what? That was excellent. All right, there you go. And I'm like, you know, I'm, every time, I, every time I saw, you know, saw him in this movie, I'm like, God, he just got so much more chocolatier when he came to America, just because he's so much darker now. He's very chocolate. He was showing off his birthday cake for you, Deidre. Yes, he was. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Oh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go find him and thank him. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. You got two months to do it, and you can report back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, the kill of the night. TJ. Oh, TJ. 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 Oh, aww. <laughs> 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 you went with the original kill. 
good. Yeah. Because it was I in a was park. A oh my lord! I, 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 I'm, I'm definitely giving it to Ken, who melted like a Ken Barber doll. Yes. Yes, I like that. Well, too. the question was kill of the night. TJ was killed at night, so I don't know. He, it, he, uh, Ken so also was... died at night too. Yeah. Yeah, but. We don't, the sun was still up. The sun was still up in the U.S. <laughs> I love it. Uh, the most non-politically correct moment, every single racial slur and homophobic slur. Yes. Yeah. yeah. This is a funny uh, uh, award because of Deidre. The That's So Retro moment. What screamed? <laughs> oh, you know. 70s, not 90s. I don't know because I, I can't get it right. I don't know. I love it. I just did it to tease these. Yeah, the Asselin Yes. The yeah, best musical I number. <gasps> I loved all the music. All right. Deidre pulled out her jukebox. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's gather on the campfire to toast some marshmallows. It's time to rate the film. One to ten marshmallow scale. Let's start off with... Let's start off with Parker. Um, as I've said it in the very few times I've spoken to on this podcast, um, I didn't really get much from this movie at all. It was, it wasn't for me. It wasn't, it wasn't, it may have been made for me, but it wasn't for me, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just didn't, I didn't connect with it at all. I, I fell asleep a few times and it was... Yeah, so it's going to get four marshmallows um, in the shape of, I'll, I'll at least give it the good marshmallow the shape. They get the shape of a retro-style boombox. Um, it, it just, it, said, well, it wasn't there for me. I've seen far worse, but I've also seen much better. It was a four. <laughs> Osiris? Um, I'm going to go on the, uh, I guess, the other end of the spectrum and give it a seven. Um, this is a cute little movie. Um, I, I definitely connected a lot more to it than, than Parker. Whatever connections Parker didn't get, I was definitely getting. Um, uh, this, this, this connected, like, to my teenage years, my early 20s, so I, I fully understand, like, everything that was going on in this movie. Um, uh, music is my favorite. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, I am going to shape them like the queen cutout at the, the, the radio station. <laughs> but each one, the arm is in a different position. Because, you know, it was waving, and then Chris hit it, and it, like, kind of went... Like broken yeah. arm style, so yeah, seven queen cut out marshmallows. And Deidre, what about you? In all of my confusion, I've decided to give this movie eight marshmallows with no shape to it because I apparently cannot get its timeline correct. So just eight mushrooms. Uh, Mom said mushrooms again, marshmallows, oh my god, marshmallows, I'm so sorry. So I give it eight marshmallows, I love the music, Um, I love aspects of this movie, the musical about me, I just can't get the timeline correct in my head, Um, either that or they hold on to fashion a lot longer than we do, Um, so yeah, eight marshmallows for me. And I'm going to pull a Deidre. In your honor, Deidre, I'm going to give it an 8.25. I'm bringing out the decimal points just for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will shape my marshmallows like um, a a radio signal boost antenna. And I'll say I enjoyed it. I was surprised by the sort of mystery thriller killer aspect but I really enjoyed all the storylines. I may not have enjoyed Billy Bud much, but everything else was really interesting, kept my attention, and uh, just to echo the theme of uh, what we've been saying, the music was absolutely fan-freaking-tastic. So yes. on that note, 
It's time for everyone to report back to their cabins. Your bunk beds are waiting for you. Join us next time for a brand new installment of Summer Camp. Here's one of our campers on our PA system with a few announcements. Thank you for the intro, and sorry for the microphone feedback. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash P-C-R, Summer Camp. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Poppy Chula Radio Summer Camp and subscribe. Back to you, camp counselors. Oh, not again. Sorry for the feedback. Thank you, my fellow camp counselors. Please wish our campers and the listeners a good night, starting off with a with a time-displaced Deidre. <laughs> I think Legionnaire might love me for that, or he might question me um, <laughs> for this movie. Um, good night, everyone. Parker. <gasps> good night. And Osiris. Oh, bondage of yours. Good night, everyone. Yes, it's a song. Thanks for tuning in. Good night and lights out.